So as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper together, let me say this to you. And you can say this of your own self. Jesus had to take my place because I could not repair what I had broken. Jesus had to take my place because I could not repair what I had broken. We have a hard time letting people take our place, don't we? Especially when they take our place to do something unpleasant. When someone gets out of the truck to open up the gate or to shut the gate, you know, you could have sat by the door. And do you ever feel just a little bit of guilt when you're sitting in the middle? Or do you just get in the middle because you know that's the right spot to sit in? Maybe that's the way uh, you, le you learn how to do it. But when someone takes our place, we, we feel a little bit guilty. When someone genuinely forgives us when we have wronged them, when they bear the hurt, and when they forgive us, and we owe them nothing, and they love us like nothing has happened. You know, they could have held a grudge. They could have spent the next year uh, making you do all that you could do to make it right again. But you didn't have to do that because instead of you bearing the hurt of what you did wrong and the shame of that, they absorbed it. It's a funny thing about humans. We feel an obligation deep within. We feel a desire to feel the shame and the pain of our actions. We should have to do unpleasant things. We should have to suffer a penalty. We should be punished because we know that's what we deserve. And we're really put off by people who don't feel that way. We say, don't they have any shame? How could they parade around like the way they're doing when they know what they've done? We try to do things the right way. We try to make things right when we've done wrong. But what about when you can't fix things? What about when it's impossible to fix what's been broken? You know, it's one thing to let somebody get the gate or pick up the tab, but it's another thing to have no money and no resources to provide for your own well-being. It's one thing to have no way to right your own wrongs. You may not be able to you may be able to get the gate and you don't do it. You may be able to pick up the tab and you don't do it. But it's another thing to have a broken leg and you can't walk and you can't help someone and you can't get the gate because your leg's broken. Or you can't provide from your, for your family because you have no ability to work. And when we find ourselves in those situations, that's true humility. I mean, there's a difference between swallowing your pride and really knowing what it is to be humbled. But true humility is what Good Friday is about for us. True humility is about what, this is what Good Friday is about for us. This is why we observe Good Friday. It doesn't seem like anything good can come of a man dying on a cross, but if we will humble ourselves, if we will recognize our great need, then we can understand that something really wonderful happened on that Friday when someone took our place. And so we've come here today for just an hour or so so we can remember that someone else had to fix things because we couldn't do it. We had so messed up our relationship with God that there was nothing we could do. One day when I was a little boy, 
and we lived over on Meadowview Street in Bedford, Texas. I was playing with some kids in the back, uh, next door neighbor's uh, kids in their backyard, and they had a big mesquite tree right in the middle of their backyard. And uh, it had the thorns and, and the branches uh, that were so ugly, uh, the way a mesquite tree is. I guess it has its own beauty. <laughs> but somehow we were playing around with a, with a football or a basketball or something, and we got a ball stuck up in that mesquite tree. And the mesquite tree wasn't all that tall, but we weren't that tall either, so we couldn't figure out a way to get the, the ball out of the mesquite tree. So I was looking around, and I saw, oh, there's a, there was part of a broken brick. That's what a pot shirt is, by the way. It's a, it's a piece of pottery that's broken. And they say, he says, my mouth's dried up like a piece of dry pottery. Well, I saw a piece of a brick that was broken on the ground there, and I picked up that part of the brick, and I looked at the ball up there, and I threw it as hard as I could. And you know what? I knocked the ball out of the tree, Jody. I know you can't believe that, but I did have some, you know, first-grade athletic prowess. And I was very proud of myself. I, I, I was like, wow, I knocked the ball out of the tree. And looking there, admiring my work, watching it fall, then I look over at my friend, and the, the brick had come down right on his head. And it had gashed a big hole in his head, and he was bleeding profusely. And I just, oh no, uh, he started to scream like he was dying. I thought I might have killed him. Uh, we ran to get his mom, and she said, what happened? And I said, well, I, I, I threw a brick up in the air to knock a ball out of a tree, and it landed on Skeeter's head, and, and uh, here we are. And she looked at me like I was the dumbest person in the world. What? She said, go home. So I, ran, I felt so bad. I ran home, told my mom what happened. My mom went over there to help, help them. And so there I was in that. While they were over there working to deal with his injury, I was at our house all by myself. And crying and just feeling like I had done the worst thing in the world. I thought maybe I'd killed him with that brick. And, you know, my little brain was just running through all the worst possible things. And so you know what I did? I gathered up all the change I could find in my room. And I put it in a pile in the middle of the living room. And then I went and got all my toys. And I put them in a pile in the living room. And when they came back over, I said, you can sell all this so, so you can pay for the hospital. And I mean, who knows how many dollars worth of toys that was? 15 or 20? You know? And maybe a dollar's worth of change? Uh, you know, that was terrible. I was trying to do all I could to pay for what I had done. I was trying to fix what I had broken, but the truth is, there was no way. There was no way for me to pay for my dumb decision. You shouldn't throw bricks up in the air around your friends' heads. And that's what I did. And everybody else was suffering the penalty for my dumb decision. I didn't have a gash in my head. I didn't have insurance. I didn't have any money. My toys were all played with and broken. But I really wanted to fix what I had done. I wanted to pay for it, but I couldn't. There was nothing I could do to make things right. And so someone else had to pay for my poor choice and for my thoughtlessness. And you know, when we come face to face with our sin, when we hear the Word of God and it begins to expose us, and we start to realize the depths of our depravity, just how much we've offended a righteous and holy God who made us, who owned us, who creates us, who has every right to do whatever He uh, wants with us, to tell us how we should live, and we just decided, no, we're going to do whatever we want to do. 
When we come face to face with our sin, our thoughtlessness, our depravity, what's our instinct? How can I fix this? What do I need to do? How can I pay God back? And you notice this when someone first comes to Christ. This is generally, you know there's like a a uh, post-conversion enthusiasm that you find that people have. When they come to Christ, and man, they are just going to do everything. They are going to go to every meeting. They are going to show up for every Bible study. They're going to give. They're going to sing loudly. They're going to take notes. They're going to read their Bible. They're going to just try to do all that they can. And there's an instinct there. There's an instinct there because we want to do our best to live a holy life to prove to God that He made a good decision. To pay for our sins. We've done all this bad and now we realize how bad we've offended a holy God. What are we going to do to make it right? We're going to take all the change and we're going to take all the broken toys and we're going to put them in a pile in the middle of the living room. And we're going to try to make amends and pay Jesus back for what happened at the cross. But we can't do that, can we? Nothing we could ever do will pay Jesus back. We, 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 this is why we come in here today. We're here to acknowledge in true humility that Jesus paid it all. And we realize that when we've done all we can do, when we've exhausted all of our efforts, when we feel discouraged, and we think, well, there's no way I can live the Christian life on my own. And the answer to that is, well, yes, there's no way you can live the Christian life on your own. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. That's why God changes your heart, gives you new desires. But He doesn't ask you to pay Him back. You can't pay Him back. He asks you to trust what He's done. And if you will trust Him, and you'll give Him your heart and your life, and just say, here's all I have. I know I can never pay you back. I know there's nothing I can do to earn my own salvation. I'm just going to trust in you to save me for the rest of my life. It's amazing how he changes your life. Jesus said it this way, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The gospel demands that you humble yourself. The gospel demands a confession that you are so deeply indebted that you can do nothing to help yourself. That your sins have separated you from a holy God and there's nothing you can do to climb out of that hole or span that gap. It's the crazy thing about our religion of Christianity. It's the only religion that denies you the ability to pay for your sins. All the other ones require that you pay for your sins. That you do right. That you, you, you do more good things than bad things and that you make amends with God. Every other religion will spare you the deep humiliation of not being able to pay for your own sins. But before the cross, those of us who have trusted in Jesus, we kneel as deeply humble sinners, paralyzed, helpless, weak, poor, and stained. And that's the only way to be saved. That humility is the only way to be exalted. The way down is the only way up. This is the only way to be saved. So you can try to pay for your sins your whole life, and you'll suffer an eternity in hell. Or you can be humbled here at the cross, and you can know the forgiveness of Jesus.
if you will believe that on that cross Jesus took your place to repair what you had broken and could not fix. So as we prepare to eat and drink this supper, here's what we're saying tonight. We're saying, Lord, we declare our great humility, even our great humiliation before you. Because we're here to proclaim the great humiliation of Jesus, that he was deeply humbled so that we could be saved. So we come in humility that we might know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that our men make their way forward. Let's pray together. Father, as we pray and come to you to prepare our hearts to take this supper, to declare to you and to one another and to a lost and dying world the death of Jesus Christ, as we come here tonight to declare our great need for Jesus to fix what we had broken. We pray that as we come to this table, we would not take it in an unworthy manner. That as we receive the juice and we receive the bread, that we would do so with pure hearts, completely reliant upon what Christ has done. Father, we don't have to work ourselves up to a, a, a state of, uh, of, of holiness or perfection before we come to this table. You ask us to come to this table fully trusting in you. Nothing else between us and you. Just trust. And so, Father, if there's some place where we're holding on to pride or anger or bitterness toward another person, Father, in our hearts right now, we ask that you would help us to forgive, that you would help us to make peace, for, Father, we don't want to take this supper in an unworthy manner. We know we're commanded to take it in a worthy manner.